Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist Podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So today I want to talk all about having a healthy relationship with movement. And I'm consciously calling it movement here rather than exercise, because I think exercise often has many negative connotations associated with kind of burning calories, having to kind of earn your food, all of that stuff. Whereas movement always to me feels much more kind of free and spontaneous and adventurous and all those good things. So talking about this topic has very much been inspired for me by a fitness event I took part in um, last weekend based at Olympia in London and it's called High Rocks and that's spelt H-Y-R-O-X. So I never heard of it actually until about a couple of months ago but then a lot of people at my gym were signing up to take part in it and I thought why not let's just have a go. So I thought it might be helpful to share a bit about High Rocks um, because I genuinely have a quite a free, intuitive relationship with movement. Um, Whilst being sort of fairly fit and healthy, I'm quite strong, I've got quite good endurance, but I feel I'm in a very peaceful, happy place with movement. It's not something that's obsessive. But I guess it hasn't always been this way. You know, when I had an eating disorder, I definitely struggled with activity. I was much more rigid, compulsive, obsessive, counting how much I was doing, tracking, and genuinely exhausting myself. So I wanted to talk a bit about high rocks, just to give you more insight into how I achieve a much more intuitive relationship with movement. And if you're struggling with an all or nothing relationship with movement, Maybe you're either compulsively over-exercising or you're just doing nothing at all because of you've just become so resentful of exercise because it's so linked to kind of diet culture, then hopefully this episode is going to be helpful for you. Now in this episode as well, I'm going to do a bit more personal sharing than I might do on some episodes. So you have to let me know as well if you like this or not. So if you have a particularly positive or negative reaction, do send me a DM on Instagram at the eating disorder therapist underscore because I'm always keen to sort of experiment with different ways of communicating and um, just really want to know people's feedback. So thank you for that in advance. Um, so what is High Rocks? So High Rocks is this kind of fitness event um, and it combines lots of different workouts um, and also running. Um, The setup and order of workouts is always the same everywhere in the world. So if you do High Rocks in London or I guess Sydney or New York or wherever else they run High Rocks, you kind of have a sort of set agenda of things that you're going to do. And it can be called the Marathon of Fitness um, as there are professional athletes starting on the same day as everybody else who wants to put him or her or themselves up for the race. And um, this is the one thing I found very inspiring about High Rocks is, um, you know, I think if you go on the website, it does look very hardcore in terms of seeing the images of probably the more professional athletes and um, whoever they use for these kind of photo shoots. But actually the reality of High Rocks in real life was a lot of diversity of people of all different ages, all different shapes and sizes. Um, It was really like amazing and refreshing and much more of a celebration of what the body can do than aesthetics. 
So yeah, that was very, very appealing to me. So at High Rocks as well, you run eight kilometers and this is split into one kilometer sections. And in between you do a whole range of different exercises. So things like, if you're not massively into fitness, I'll try and explain a little bit about what some of the things are and I'm gonna explain them really badly. But um, some of the things you do, uh, the exercises include um, something called the ski erg, which is kind of like pulling, um, these kind of pulleys down over your head, I guess kind of mimicking if you were skiing down a mountain. Is skiing down a mountain really quite the same as that? I don't know, I've actually never been skiing. But anyway, the ski erg. You do a sled pull and a sled push, kind of as it sounds. Um, I found the sled pull actually particularly hard. <laughs> sled push, not quite so bad, because you can like lean your whole body into it. You do rowing, row on a rowing machine. Burpees, burpees were hard. Bur burpee kind of broad jumps. So you have to do like a, a big jump forward and then a burpee. Um, but myself and Jane, um, who was my partner in this, we were sort of splitting all these workouts as well. So we didn't have to do like masses of things in one go. Farmers carries as well, which is when you're kind of carrying kettlebells um, and sort of walking up and down, sort of holding them a bit like pretending you're carrying kind of milk churns or something. Maybe that's why they're called farmers carries. You then do lunges, um, you know, where you're kind of like going down on one knee and having a weight on your back. And the last thing is something called wall balls, where you basically have to sort of squat down, throw this kind of big ball in the air and it has to t hit a target and you have to do that sort of numerous times. So it's quite varied, quite diverse, quite a lot of different movements. Um, and yeah, it is quite exhausting. So I shared my workout with Jane Hartley PT. So Jane Hartley is a personal trainer who lives locally to me. If you want to seek out Jane, you can find her on Instagram at Jane, J-A-Y-N-E, Hartley, H-A-R-T-L-E-Y-P-T. Um, yeah, on Instagram. And she's very much into intuitive movement, body neutrality, and all that good stuff. Um, and she is also going to be one of the speakers at our event in September in Camden, and she's gonna be talking all about intuitive movement. So she was really like a great person to be doing this with. So on the day of High Rocks, myself and Jane weren't actually participating until 11.20, but we got up like super early because we kind of wanted to get down there early, seek out the kind of atmosphere, take a few photos, um, make sure we like really fueled and warmed up and all that stuff before we started. So I kind of got up early, had my porridge, whizzed around, leaving the house kind of ready as much as possible for the teenagers to survive through the day. And then I went to Jane's house, which is about 20 minutes away. And then she drove us down to London in her car and we went to Stratford. And then we got the overland train to Olympia, where the, um, the Olympia Exhibition Centre in West London, where the event was being held. So doing it as a partner workout, um, we share everything. Like you both have to do the full eight kilometres of running, but you can share all the different exercises. And that just makes it so much more manageable because if you get like little breaks throughout it. Um, but you can have the option as well of doing it as an individual, but lots of people do do it as a partner workout. Um, and it's really nice as well to do it as a partner workout because I really felt that myself and Jane, we had that whole experience of like going down together, you know, sort of chatting in the car and like spending time going across London, kind of getting there, soaking up the whole ambience, getting food together, getting coffee together, making a few little reels, um, 
you know, we just had a really nice day of kind of bonding through it all and that made it incredibly special. So when we arrived at um, Olympia, um, it was already pretty busy. I think we kind of arrived about eight in the morning um, and it's a huge event hall. I'm sure many of you um, from the UK will have been to Olympia before for different exhibitions and stuff. So it has kind of like the middle arena and then it has kind of like, um, you know, sort of spectator area around the outside. And then you've also got like a whole balcony area where they had lots of different like stalls where you could get coffee and um, lots of like free giveaways. But also from the balcony, you could look down into the middle arena and see um, all the different activities going on. So you had a really, really um, great view. So all the stations at High Rocks are kind of marked out. So it's very kind of clear um, what you have to do and in what order. Okay, so you could actually, you know, you have all the like ski ergs lined up in a great big line um, and then you have all the sled and um, pulls next to that and then the sled pushes. I think I've got that around the wrong way. But anyway, it's kind of clearly marked so you've got designated areas. So even when myself and Jane got there at eight in the morning, um, I think just very shortly after that, the first heats were starting that day. So it was really great because we, because we're there early, we got a chance to really look at what was going on um, and to really get a feel of the event. There's also like music and um, blasting out throughout as well, um, which was really great as well. It kind of really creates a real sort of like atmosphere of sort of awe and, um, you know, just like feeling part of something bigger and enjoying something and sharing in a really great event. So it's got a really good vibe to it. I would really, really recommend it. So all the stations are marked out in the middle arena. And then what you have to do to... And complete your kilometre run, which has to be done eight times, is you have to like run three laps um, around the sort of outside of um, the arena. And um, so Jane and I both had to do the runs. Um, and then, of course, we're sort of sharing the workout. So as I said, we got there super early. So we had lots of time to fuel, have a second breakfast, drink some coffee, chat to some of the other people from the gym who are also taking part and really walk around and soak up the atmosphere. Um, which was really great actually. So we had like a good three hours before we even started, but it was kind of worth it because it felt like we just truly kind of soaked up the whole ambience. So how did it go? <laughs> so it was exhausting. Um, my feet were so, so, so sore by the end of it. Even when I was wearing, like in the past, I've always just bought kind of regular trainers. I thought, right for this, because I'm kind of getting on a bit and you know, my old legs and all the rest of it, I thought I'm gonna get myself some really super, very bouncy Nike trainers. So I did, I've got these like fluorescent orange trainers with a massive, great bouncy kind of gel um, sole, is that what you call it? Anyway, they were really good. They did kind of give me lots of bounce and definitely protected my legs. However, my feet were still incredibly, incredibly sore by the end. Um, so we didn't flog ourselves as well. I felt it was challenging, but it was almost like a kind of comfortable endurance event. Um, we didn't like go charging off, you know, we, um, you know, sort of like took it at a steady pace. And then it was really great as well that we were sharing the workout. So at least we got sort of some break throughout it as well. So if you're listening to this, you might be thinking, you know, how can you do an event like this, which of course is objectively challenging, um, how can you sort of take part in things like this if you've had a difficult relationship with food? How can you take part in something like this without it becoming an obsessive or punishing thing? 
Um, you might think as well, how can you do intensive exercise and it not become something you're tracking or evaluating or obsessing over in an unhealthy way? And of course, you know, there's many people there that have never had an eating disorder, don't have an eating disorder today, and their relationship with movement is not tied up in all of that. And, you know, we'll absolutely um, appreciate how possible this is. But of course, if you have been in a relentless and punishing cycle, an event like this might just exacerbate your symptoms and, um, and feel like another thing that you kind of have to do. So I'm going to talk a bit more about my own relationship with movement to give a bit more context and background into, into it all, I guess, and how I am able to operate in a very free, empowered space. So I do really love moving my body and feeling fit and strong, like being fit and strong and being actively able to move, you know, these are things that are all really, really important to me. So I grew up on a farm, so I spent a lot of time as a child outdoors. Of course, as well, you know, I'm old. It was the days before social media, you know, where there wasn't that much to watch on the TV. So that all really helped as well. So I feel for me, just the outdoor life and sort of being adventurous, doing fun outdoor things is very much embedded into my bones, okay? So from a really young age, I never associated movement with changing my body or burning off calories. It was something that just was part of life. You know, it was about being out in nature, having fun and adventure, spending time with my friends or my cousins or my sisters, feeling free and peaceful. So it was all things like climbing trees, doing obstacle courses, making bale houses out of straw, playing hide and seek, so it was very fun, spontaneous, and adventurous. Now, even when I developed an eating disorder, movement was still an enjoyable and healthy part of my life. You know, when I was at Sheffield University, I used to go horse riding, I used to go mountain biking. So there were aspects of it that were really fun and enjoyable and not really focused on calories or anything like that. However, movement also did take a darker turn and exercise did become more of a thing I had to do, particularly perhaps around like going for runs and things like that. And I remember that I would often push myself to work out when I was feeling really tired and my body was absolutely exhausted. And then it would often fuel as well binges because I wasn't fueling myself properly. I was getting over hungry and just that horrible sort of punishing cycle. And I think as well from binging and purging, you know, I'd often feel just really physically rubbish. And then I would still be pushing myself to overexercise. And, you know, that was not a very healthy cycle. So when I look back to some of those days, you know, I just remember really just not feeling that great physically when I was exercising. You know, it became quite a punishing thing. Whereas nowadays, I just feel so differently about that you know like if I'm going to do anything active I'm really fueled I'm full of energy and I have lots and lots of rest in between as well so it's all much more doable so moving on um so when it happens that you're forcing your body the exercise then is not joyful happy movement anymore rather it's a relentless punishing and punitive thing that has to be endured even if you're weary and exhausted and you might be exercising sometimes for hours every day as well. The joy is all gone. So for me, exiting from the punishing type of exercise um, was kind of a gradual thing, really. And um, I think I went through, when I'm sort of looking back now, I went through a phase of a few years, really, where I didn't do 
so much sort of like intense physical exercise. I was, I've always been active, but um, I went through a phase where I was probably just much more into walking. I would go for the occasional run. I was quite kind of active, particularly when my children were young, because when your children are young, they just running around. They need a lot of kind of physical interaction. So I was, I've always been very active, but definitely I probably had a phase of a few years where I wasn't really doing physical activity in quite the same way as um, I had done before. Um, And actually, I was kind of okay with that. You know, I think if you had told me that that was going to happen um, before I had children, I probably would have felt some resistance or anxiety around that. But actually, I found that I just sort of transitioned into a different phase of life, really. And I was kind of quite busy and preoccupied with other things. And exercise just wasn't such um, a priority for things. But as my children began to get a bit older, I started to explore some of the things I really enjoyed with movement when I was younger. So, you know, I talked about kind of climbing trees, um, you know, being outside, all of that kind of thing. So I started doing, um, probably in about 2016, I started um, doing beginner's parkour. I started doing bouldering, um, monkey bars, kind of a bit of ninja warrior training. Now, and all of this sounds like it could be quite hardcore, but you can really do all of this at quite basic level. And um, you don't have to be <laughs> you're doing like beginner's parkour. You don't have to be like jumping off a building. It literally sometimes can be like balancing on a rail that's just above the ground or it's just about becoming much more mobile and flexible. Um, so, you know, I started to do some of these things. And then I also started doing some strength training as well. And this was really helpful because it took me away from the number on the scale and I was much more focused on getting stronger. Developing a bit of muscle was also appealing. Again, not from a really aesthetics point of view, but more from the fact that it's just nice to feel strong. It's nice to be able to kind of think, right, do I wanna move, if I wanna move that wardrobe or lift up that table, I'd have to think about it. I like feeling strong and I, that makes me feel kind of quite powerful. And um, yeah, it just makes me feel really good in my body. And my long-term goal, like I always think of my movement goals in the long-term. So my long-term goal is to be 90 years old, mobile and strong, being able to move freely. And I'm not really so focused on my weight. I mean, I haven't weighed myself for years or even really how my body looks. So I'm thinking much more long-term in terms of freedom, health and mobility. And I think for me as well, just having that whole perspective, that different relationship towards movement, is incredibly helpful because of it allows me to stay in a much more joyful and free and adventurous place with it because I'm not kind of equating it with food or calories or how much I've done or my inner critic or anything. I'm much more in the place of play, which is incredibly empowering. So for me as well, taking part in something like High Rocks is just like a little experience really on the longer term road to health and freedom as I age. So I'm probably unlikely to do another fitness event now for a while. I must say I'm quite tempted to go back and do High Rocks in November now. But um, for me, these events are more like little kind of markers on the landscape, really. I'm not sort of living for the next event. I am not massively focused on things like my time or that kind of thing. You know, it's more the experience which I'm really focusing on. So now time for an advertisement break. Are you constantly finding yourself going to food to deal with stress, boredom, or because you have cravings? 
yet you can't seem to fully figure out why you're triggered or what your emotional eating or binge triggers are. And if you don't know what they are, how are you supposed to catch and stop them? Knowing your triggers helps you stop the fight with food and allows you to start to become clear on what you really need instead. This helps you stop emotional eating and binges in their tracks and helps you build confidence, food and body freedom. Join emotional eating, digestive and hormone expert Amber Omaniac with 10 years of experience helping thousands of women fully overcome binge and emotional eating for the three-day masterclass series triggers, understanding the roots of your emotional eating and binge triggers happening on May the 16th, 17th and 18th. In these three 90-minute live sessions, you will explore number one, emotional and mindset triggers. Understand the key negative or positive thoughts, limiting beliefs, habits that are fueling sabotage with food. Number two, physical imbalance triggers. Understand the key physical imbalances like fatigue, hormone imbalances, gut flora issues, blood sugar imbalances, poor sleep, addictive ingredients, and more. And number three, all or nothing and diet mentality triggers. Identify the all or nothing mindset, what created it and how it's continuing to fuel your emotional eating and binge behaviors. Understanding this is key to starting to break free of sabotage with food. From here, we will explore different diet and food rules and how they are triggering you to keep using food as a crutch or coping mechanism and ways to start overcoming your triggers. So are you ready to finally understand the blocks and start clearing them out? Sign up for the Triggers Masterclass for the early bird rate of 55 US dollars for the three 90-minute sessions and you get lifetime access to them so you can watch them as many times as you like. So you can go to amberapproved.ca slash online hyphen programs and click on the Triggers Masterclass or go to the link in the show notes and you'll be taken through to find out more and to sign up. So I'm also very aware that if you do a lot of these fitness events, and I think there's no judgment around this, you know, everyone is free (laughs) to choose how much or little they want to do these, engage in these events. But for me, if I did a lot of these events, it would take me away from my family, I would have to train more, and actually I don't really want that. I want to be fit and physically, you know, physically healthy as part of daily life, but I don't want my weekends to be completely focused around having to travel to events and do all of that you know it would take the joy away from it I like them to be more kind of one-off special events really um so much more about memories and creating an experience so what about you you know maybe you're not in a great relationship with movement activity right now and I know that some of my clients are absolutely wedded to their fitness trackers, having to walk numerous steps. They might feel they have to do extensive walks, pacing around the house to achieve their required target, or even walking on the spot before getting into bed to achieve their step target for the day. Or maybe again, you know, you're feeling you have to do just like a certain amount of exercise every week and it has to include all these different things and it's become this awful weary should. And I think sometimes we can forget that overexercise can be a problem because we live in a culture where we're continuously told, you know, just eat less and move more. So no amount of exercise sometimes can feel wrong. And you might be outwardly praised for the amount of activity that you're doing when no one really understands what's going on behind closed doors. Or you may find yourself in the other 
position where perhaps you've overdosed on movement or exercise in the past, perhaps you really equate it to burning calories, and you're now massively understandably repelled and resentful towards it, so you avoid um, exercise completely. And I guess neither of those two polar opposites are ideal. It's about trying to find some kind of balance. So if you're over-exercising, some signs that you might be doing this are things like physical symptoms. So you might just be constantly feeling weary and exhausted. So you're having to like constantly kind of push yourself. You constantly feel like you're never properly recovered. And then you may be physically struggling with things like stress fractures. For the longer term, you may suffer from osteoporosis. You may be dehydrated. You may may be getting frequent injuries. And you may be having quite poor immune functioning as well. So that you think you're being really healthy, but actually you're kind of picking up every bug going. And emotionally and socially, if you're over-exercising, maybe it prevents you from socializing with your friends or relaxing. Maybe you feel very isolated due to the demands of your routine and everything you have to fit in. Maybe you feel sort of anxious and irritable if you're unable to exercise. You know, it feels like a compulsive should. You don't feel satisfied with your body and also it's hard to concentrate. You know, you're always thinking about when you've got to exercise next. You're sort of so tired from exercising that you can't really concentrate on other things in your life. So it's sort of taken over in an unhealthy way. So I think the really important thing is to be really open and honest with yourself. And it doesn't really matter if the rest of the world is saying to you, oh my God, you're so amazing because of all the activity you do. If you're frequently getting injured, if you are irritable and anxious and you can't socialize and you're isolated and it's impacting your life, that is your truth. And I think you need to listen to yourself because of whatever the world says to you in our slightly toxic diet, wellness, culture, if you're experiencing physical or emotional symptoms, you need to listen to that because that is your truth. What's really helpful as well is really get connected with your deepest values and notice where over-exercise doesn't fit in. So to connect with your deepest values is always helpful to think about, you know, when you're 90, you're looking back on your life, what are the things that are going to have been really important for you to have done? What are the you know, is it about relationships or what kind of work is purposeful for you or education or learning or hobbies or spirituality or, you know, what is it personally for you that's really important? Now, I know for me, I absolutely value freedom. I value freedom. I value adventure. I value being spontaneous. I value being joyful. And for me, if I'm doing activity or exercise, it needs to fall um, into those kind of categories and it needs to align line up with my values, okay? If I'm suddenly feeling, oh my goodness, this exercise feels like a weary should, I'm just like really bored with it, it's rigid, I'm not enjoying it anymore, then that wouldn't be working for me, okay? So for me, what really keeps me in that kind of active movement space is like chasing the joy, chasing the feeling of it. So if you recognize that you are over-exercising, try to make a commitment to yourself to reduce your exercise, you know, regardless as well what's going on with your eating, try to focus, um, recognize that maybe your exercise is out of balance and you want to start taking baby steps to change this. So obviously you've got to be open and honest with yourself initially to recognize that you have a problem with over-exercise. Maybe as well, even do a pros and cons list of 
the activity that you're doing at the moment. So you can really get open and honest with yourself because of you need to kind of work on your motivation. You need to work on your ambivalence about changing this before you're probably able to implement the change. And then what's really helpful is, as I'm always talking about, the baby steps, the underwhelming steps that are consistent are the things that are going to be helpful to you. So you might want to set a baby step to begin to reduce your exercise if you realize it's in an unhealthy place. So it could be things like reducing your daily step count. You know, if you feel really brave, you could actually remove your fitness tracker. Now, I've never had a fitness tracker. I consider myself to be a very fit and healthy person. I don't feel like I need a fitness tracker to kind of give me all the data. Um, you know, again, it's a very personal thing. I think there's is not that there's something wrong with fitness trackers, but I think you need to know yourself and to know what's helpful for you and for your peace of mind. Maybe if you're working out several times a week, you take out one of those workouts or you reduce the time doing your workout. Maybe you go for a walk instead of doing an intense workout. So you're kind of like switching it up a bit. Um, so anything like that, really, it's, you know, it's try to, trying to think about where is a baby step for you to make a start. Now, when you try to reduce your exercise, you probably will feel very, very anxious initially because overexercise has become a safety behavior and which you do to reduce your anxiety. But of course, you need to then keep doing more and more to be able to kind of feel okay. And I think it's just very normal to say, you know, you're going to feel anxious when you start to reduce it, but that's okay. It's normal. You will get through it. And people generally find as well that the thought of change is much worse than the actual change itself. Your head will tell you all kinds of stories about how you won't manage. And you might need to have some support in place to help you manage the change, get a friend on board who can keep you accountable. So I guess as well, if you're going to get some accountability, you really want to share that with someone who's really understanding and can respond in a helpful way, you know, so someone that you can open up to and you can really feel safe with. You might as well need to actively fill the time with a different activity when you would normally be exercising, which can offer distraction. Maybe something as well where you're kind of doing something like, like arts and crafts or something, you know, something that kind of occupies the mind. Um, or you could even write in your journal about how you're feeling. You might need to experiment with different ways of coping. Now, I think as well, as human beings, we often don't like the thought of change, but we actually adjust to change much better than we imagine. Now, I know for myself, before the pandemic, I was going to the gym and doing strength training. And then during the pandemic, I literally had a good probably year to 18 months of going to the gym. And um, I started to do more walking. Um, and that was it really, more walking. I really sort of abandoned the more intense activity. And I also just abandoned, um, you know, there wasn't, I didn't really enjoy the kind of thought of working out at home in the same way. So I just got into walking and um, and actually it was fine. You know, it, it was fine. I kind of adjusted to that. And, um, and then once the pandemic came to an end, I did sort of like gradually get back into strength training and parkour and climbing and all the things I enjoyed. But it was okay, you know, and I think if you'd said to me pre-pandemic, oh, you're not going to be able to go to the gym for a year, I would have been a bit disappointed by that. I would have thought, oh, you know, I'm going to really miss that. It's really kind of part of my life and what makes me feel good. But, you know, I adjusted. It was okay. Nothing bad happened. And I think we often catastrophize what's going to happen if we switch things up a bit. And actually, most of our fears are often really unfounded. 
So once you make a little change in reducing your activity level, you can kind of get used to that new level, you know, kind of that, so that becomes the kind of like the comfort and the new kind of normal and your anxiety will start to decrease over time as you start to put that more and more into practice. And then you can think about making another little step. And you know, these little baby steps do add up to a great deal. And it's so worth it as well. Like think about the benefits you're gonna gain from reducing your overactivity as well. You know, I love it that when I go to the gym or when I'm gonna go and do some parkour, I love it that I'm feeling like, yes, I really wanna go and do this. And um, that's so important to me. And I'm only able to do that because I have lots of rest in between. You know, I have more rest days than active days. And that's how I'm able to do it. So when I go, my body is nourished, it is rested, it's recovered. And I'm like, yeah, bring it on. So if you feel that you just can't exercise, if you've overdone it perhaps before and you're feeling resentful and repellent towards it, I would just say with this as well, you just need to start very small and you might need to start with doing a different type of activity from the one that you did before. So if, for example, you were always in the gym before and it was always about counting calories or noticing how much you'd burned on the treadmill, etc., I would just say to you, try and find something else, okay? Don't go back into that environment. Try and switch it up and think about what you actually enjoy doing and start really, really small. Like I always think as well, the consistency factor is important. Like I would rather be, say, going to the gym two or three times a week for strength training and being consistent with that over many years than going through bursts of going like five times a week and then having months off. You know, so it's really trying to engage with those baby underwhelming steps and something that can be consistent. Try as well not to track anything, lean towards something you enjoy, um, yeah, and as I'm saying as well, stay away from the gym or anything else that's been a negative trigger. You know, really try and chase the joy, the adventure, the socializing. I think the social aspect is really great. I found, even just with doing high rocks recently, the fact that there was many people from my gym all doing that. It was just really wonderful to share in that and for everyone to like be sort of sharing photos and cheering each other on and being very supportive and encouraging and just have that sort of collective experience of being part of something and enjoying it was just amazing. Okay, so I hope this has given you um, a few ideas from how for how to find a place with peaceful, active, happy movement away from those obsessive, compulsive exercise places that you may have been in before okay and I hope you've enjoyed hearing about high rocks so do send me a dm on instagram if you've had a particularly positive or negative reaction to me sharing a bit more about this I'm always interested to hear feedback so thank you in advance for that so if you're not following me on instagram do seek me out at the eating disorder therapist underscore and if you want to see a bit more about high rocks as well i've made a reel on there with jane giving you a little bit of an insight into that so you can go and have a look at the reel and um, if you're interested so thank you so much for listening i really appreciate all your support and you being here 
If you're looking for further support with your relationship with food, do go to the eatingdisordertherapist.co.uk. And if you enjoyed this podcast, I would be so grateful if you'd follow, rate and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. And thank you to everyone who has left me a review. I really do appreciate all the reviews. I really do always read them and I'm massively grateful and um, can sometimes just feel a bit bewildered actually that this podcast is reaching so many people all over the world and that is just such an incredible and amazing feeling and I'm very thankful to be in this position and incredibly thankful as well to all my wonderful guests. So thanks again for listening and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon.